0: Welcome to Former Adventist Podcast. Grab a cup of coffee and join Colleen Tinker and Nikki Stevenson as they discuss their life after Adventism. Welcome to Former Adventist Podcast. I'm Nikki Stevenson. And I'm Colleen Tinker. I'm really excited about this podcast, Colleen, because we get to talk about Daniel's interpretation of the handwriting on that wall and this whole story has taken on a brand new picture for me. I've never seen it the way that we are seeing it, walking through it now, as believers who trust Scripture and care about the veracity of Scripture. Right. And getting to see history line up with the text is, is pretty amazing. How has it been different for you?
1: I think understanding the time frame has been different for me. I I didn't really think about how old Daniel was. I didn't really think about how many generations between his being captured and Belshazzar and who was Belshazzar anyway. Yeah. And just researching that has given me... um, a new understanding of how that 70 years of captivity was figured, and it's historically verifiable. And we are nearing the end. We still have some years to go, but we are nearing the end of that historic captivity because we're right at the cusp of the end of the Babylonian Empire. And we're going to find out that Daniel survives the end of that Babylonian empire and stays there in the kingdom for several more years until Cyrus the king releases the Jews to go back. I find this just, like you said, the, the history, the verifiable nature of the details of this story, I did not
0: know all of that before. Yeah, it's fascinating. And to see the way that Babylon falls in a celebration of pride and sin. God takes it down, and it is clearly an act of God, mm-hmm. and it
1: is clearly an act of God that takes Babylon down in Revelation eighteen. Mm-hmm. I just think it's fascinating that this is all the same—the same name, Babylon—and mm-hmm. Babylon always meant false religion, evil, and opposition to God. So here we are with the end of this empire. So, uh, Nikki, would you read this section of Daniel five for us? Daniel five thirteen to thirty one.
0: Okay. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said, Daniel, are you that Daniel who is one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father, the king, brought from Judah? Now I have heard about you that a spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. Just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me, that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me, but they could not declare the interpretation of the message." But I personally have heard about you that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you're able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts for yourself, or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. O King, the Most High God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed, and whomever he wished, he spared alive, and whomever he wished, he elevated, and whomever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind and his heart was made like that of beasts and his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets over it whomever he wishes. Yet you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. But you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand. But the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways you have not glorified. Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. Now this is the inscription that was written out. Mini, Mini, Tekel Eupharsen. This is the interpretation of the message. Mini, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Paris, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave orders, and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that now he had authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. That same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. And Daniel was
1: third in the kingdom that lost <laughs> its power that night. <laughs> Keep your gifts. (laughs) No kidding. I think that's one of the things that's so interesting to me is that Daniel was brought in and he is actually rather scornful
0: Mm -hmm. of Belshazzar. Keep your gifts. Talk about that, Nikki. Daniel knew the king. And first of all, I have to say, I think it's fascinating that Belshazzar And the queen mother are calling him Daniel. And to me, I feel like that is evidence that Nebuchadnezzar really did repent and believe in the God of Israel. That's interesting. Because remember, when he wrote out his testimony, he mentioned that he had changed Daniel's name to the name of his God. Yes. Now we see everybody calling him Daniel again. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. I really like to see that in the text. I don't know if that's an accurate understanding, but it is interesting. That it's there. Yeah. So,
1: we know that at this point, Daniel is older, uh, 66 years of past since his capture. When he first appeared before Nebuchadnezzar, when Nebuchadnezzar had that dream of the statue, and he didn't know what it meant, and he didn't want to have anybody pretend to tell him, so he insisted that whoever explained the dream had to also tell him what the dream was. And Daniel had been able to do it. When we think about it, Daniel was a very young man, a teenager when that happened, standing before a fairly old king who was pagan, ruthless, mercuric, raging, conquering, and he had No fear. And now at the other end of his life, he isn't the old man and he's standing before a very young king Mm -hmm. who is arrogant and pompous and has no fear where he should have fear. He had no fear of God. At least Nebuchadnezzar had realized he needed to have a proper fear of God. Mm -hmm. And Belshazzar, no. And so just as there had been no, if you want to call it a generation gap between Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar, no fear. But Daniel spoke with authority. Even though the ages are reversed here at the end of Babylon, there's, again, no generation gap. Daniel has complete authority. He is not afraid of Belshazzar. He is not afraid of what could happen to him, and he tells him the truth, just as he had told his grandfather the truth.
0: Isn't it interesting that Belshazzar leads with the fact that Daniel is from Judah And he's the one who had just sent his people to go and get all of the religious, the holy vessels from Israel to drink out of. And it's like, there's no dissonance there for him.
1: No. Oh, this man was truly corrupt. He really had no fear of God. So in verse 17, Daniel has a really interesting and direct response to Belshazzar before he ever tells him anything about the handwriting. What is it?
0: He tells him to keep his gifts for himself or give his rewards to someone else. He is not interested in anything that Belshazzar has to offer him. He never did that. He never did that with King Nebuchadnezzar. He accepted his promotions. He accepted his authority. He accepted the glory that he gave him. That wasn't an issue for him. But here, he doesn't want anything from Belshazzar. I can't help but wonder if he saw with his own eyes or if he knew that they were desecrating the vessels from Belshazzar the temple.
1: I'm sure he did know. I, I can't imagine he didn't know. Plus, he can read the writing and he knows that this is a doomed kingdom anyway. It's mm-hmm. like, the arrogance of this man, keep your gifts. <laughs> and even if the kingdom weren't ending, the arrogance of this man, keep your gifts. Yeah. He then goes on and says, "O King, the Most High God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and... And majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father, he reminds Belshazzar that everything magnificent that Nebuchadnezzar had done, accomplished, and had translated into the kingdom of Babylon had
0: been from God. And isn't it interesting that he doesn't begin with, oh, king, live forever. That's true. That was the common way people talked to the king. Mm -hmm. He
1: didn't say that. You know, he knew what that handwriting was saying. And then... He goes on and says, Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. And then he says this about Nebuchadnezzar, Whomever he wished, he killed. Whomever he wished, he spared. And whomever he wished, he elevated. And whom he wished, he humbled. He's recounting the absolute autocratic power Nebuchadnezzar had, and he is saying This was from God, Mm -hmm. which is so interesting to me because we tend to think of autocrats as being, maybe rightly so, uh, personality disordered, (laughs) narcissistic, something. And maybe Nebuchadnezzar was, but still that power was from God. And then Daniel gives Belshazzar a sermon. Before he ever goes into that handwriting, he gives him a sermon. And what does he remind him of?
0: Well, he tells him that when King Nebuchadnezzar's heart was lifted up and his spirit became so proud that he behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne and his glory was taken away from him. He's making clear the point that all of the power and authority that he had came from God's hand. And the second he didn't recognize that, God took it from him. This was coming for Belshazzar. Oh, yes. But
1: Belshazzar's heart was not willing to recognize the God of heaven as his grandfather's had been.
0: Then he went on to give him a little history lesson and told him what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And he made it clear that this happened until he recognized the sovereignty of God over the realm of mankind. And Nebuchadnezzar's response was very different from Belshazzar's response at the end of this chapter. But he makes really clear, yet you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart even though you knew all this. So he doesn't wait to see how Belshazzar reacts to the handwriting on the wall. Belshazzar is without excuse. Nebuchadnezzar left his testimony. It was a written decree. It went out to all the peoples, all the nations. This was a circulated letter. This testimony was public record, and Belshazzar was held accountable for dismissing it and dishonoring God. That's true.
1: It's very serious to sin with your eyes wide open as the Pharisees did when Jesus was on earth and to refuse to believe is the unpardonable sin. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that this is not the first time in the history of the world that God has made it clear that he is judging sinful man so that people will know it's him. It was the same with Pharaoh back in Exodus, in Exodus 9, 13 to 16, we read, The Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. Pharaoh was there so that God's power could be known
0: and remembered for all generations. And because of what God did in Egypt through all of those plagues, he did bring in Egyptians into his fold. He did. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. We also read something similar
1: in Psalm 83, 16 to 18 by the psalmist named Asaph, who was um, a man who had been in charge of temple worship music. Fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the most high over all the earth. And I find it so interesting that this psalm was written during the period of the monarchy, probably a close to David's time. And this is hundreds of years after the Exodus. Uh, story about Pharaoh was written. And here's the same message. Let these sinners be put to shame so that they may know that you alone are God. And then Ezekiel, who was alive during the exile to Babylon, wrote this in Ezekiel 17, 22 to 24. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs, a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest, and all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord." I bring low the high tree and make high the low tree, dry up the green tree, make dry trees flourish. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. That's so cool. So then we have Daniel exposing Belshazzar's unrepentant, arrogant heart. Who was unaware that outside his city at this very time the enemy was tunneling and entering at that moment? Greek historians tell us that the army of the Medes was already in the center of the city by the time that handwriting was on the wall and Belshazzar learned the fate that was coming to him. He didn't even know it. His guards had
0: not even reacted. Can you imagine what it was like for Daniel as they placed a robe over his shoulders? Yeah, I know. He knew they were
1: all coming to an end in moments So, Daniel, in his sermon to Belshazzar, brings three charges against him.
0: What were they? He had not humbled his heart, even though he knew about God and his good works through the life of Nebuchadnezzar, and he deliberately mocked God by desecrating his holy vessels, and he worshipped idols. And he knew who
1: the true God was. I think that's the thing that maybe is the biggest surprise to me, is the repeated Emphasis in this story that Belshazzar knew the truth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, I don't think of Belshazzar. As an Adventist, I didn't think of Belshazzar as knowing the truth about God. It never dawned on me that he might have been alive at the time Nebuchadnezzar was out in the field. Certainly his parents were alive. Mm-hmm. It just never dawned on me
0: that he had known all of this, but he had. And he'd been unrepentant. And he was held accountable for that. You know, I can't help but bring this to application a bit. I really appreciate Talbot because he knew Adventism was wrong. Even as Walter Martin was deceived by the Adventists, Talbot wrote, and we have those publications on proclamationmagazine.com. Yes. And he wrote, and he warned the Christian church against receiving Adventists as brothers. He also wrote this. If God held Belshazzar responsible, my friend, for the ray of light which shone across his pathway, what will he say to men living in a blaze of light which illuminates the world today? Every unconverted man in this country has more light than Belshazzar had. And it's so easy for us, as we're beginning to question Adventism, to argue for our past and to argue for our culture and to suppress truth. But God holds us accountable for what we are exposed to and what we know, and the Word of God is still taught in this country, and we can know truth. If we have a Bible under our roof, we can know truth, and we have to respond to it.
1: Nikki, that's a great point. And as you were talking, I realized I was thinking about this just yesterday or today. I don't even remember what made me think about it. But I remember realizing as I came out of Adventism, You know, I had had a different worldview, and I understood Scripture to mean different things than I now understand it to mean. But the fact is, I can't blame anyone but myself for having been Adventist all those years, because I did have the Bible. And it took me decades to come to the point where I was willing to ask God to show me what the Bible actually said without the overlay of Ellen White or my Adventist worldview. If we have the Bible— God has given us His eternal living Word, and His Spirit will teach us the truth. That's what Belshazzar wouldn't do. He wouldn't submit his mind to the truth that he knew. And I, as an Adventist, hadn't been willing to do that. I hadn't been willing to say, this is the Word of God, and all this other stuff is from a prophet. Mm -hmm. And he holds us accountable for that. But praise God, He does lift that veil when we turn to Him and want to know which is what Belshazzar didn't do. So,
0: Daniel begins to tell Belshazzar what this handwriting means. You want to talk to us about the first part? So, Daniel said, he gave him the interpretation, meanie, meanie, Tekel, you This is the interpretation of the message, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. Wow. Well. Paris, your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. And you know what's interesting? Daniel doesn't seem troubled to give him this news. No, he doesn't. This doesn't seem to bother him like it did when he had to tell Nebuchadnezzar what was coming. Oh my, I hadn't thought about that. It actually says he was troubled. It said he was troubled and that he sat with that for a while. And here, he didn't even start with, O oh, King live forever. I mean, he was on no. his way to let him know without issues. That's a great point. He
1: knew the difference somehow. He knew Belshazzar's heart was different from Nebuchadnezzar's.
0: So what did the mini, M-E-N-E word mean? That God had numbered his kingdom and put an end to it. It's interesting. The word M-E-N-E means number. It might seem
1: like an odd phrase, but have you ever heard anybody use the casual phrase, well, his number's up? Mm -hmm. That's what this basically means. This kingdom, his days had been numbered, God had numbered his days, and the number was up, and this is the end. His number had come up. And it reminds me of Psalm 90, verse 12, where God says to us, so teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom, Because only God knows when our number is up, so to speak. And God has shown up here, and Belshazzar's and Babylon's number is up because of Belshazzar's extreme unbelief. So, the word tekel, or tekel,
0: T-E-K-E-L, what does it mean? It means weight. You have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. So, God has weighed Babylon
1: in the scale of righteous judgment, and Babylon Is coming up short. And this is spoken by the same God the Son who judges the church in Revelation 2 and 3, where Jesus tells John that he is looking at the church and weighing its deeds and weighing its heart. And if they don't repent of the sin that they have allowed to creep in, he will remove their candlesticks. So we know that God is the one who judges. Jesus said that the Father had given all judgment into his hands. Because he is a man. And this is the God who is judging Babylon. Long before Jesus came in the flesh, long before he appeared to John and said he was also judging the church, but this is the same God who weighs each person. For all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed for all of us who believe. And Babylon at this point has no saving attributes. It is found wanting, it comes up short in the judgment, its kings have abandoned God, and Belshazzar has known the truth about God, but he has trampled on him. Why do the words on the wall have the word eupharson? And then in verse 28, it tells us the meaning of perez. Eupharson is plural.
0: Perez is singular. Yes, I thought that was interesting. And it means What? It means divisions. The kingdom of Babylon is now to be divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And I I love the fact that the word here is given because it indicates that God owned it. A kingdom can only be given or stolen. right? And the Medes and Persians are not stealing this kingdom. God is giving this kingdom as the rightful owner to the Medes and Persians. That is so interesting. The
1: golden head on that statue is about to be removed and the chest and arms of silver are taking over the world. So, ironically, in verse 29, this king gives Daniel purple and gold, and it raises him to the third ruler of the kingdom. What a worthless gift. But it's also interesting that the book of Daniel is so extremely accurate. In spite of the fact that for centuries, people thought Belshazzar didn't exist— Daniel knew and recorded that he'd been given the third position in the kingdom and history has now proven, archaeology has now proven that that was absolutely true. Belshazzar was number two. Nabonidus was one. Belshazzar was his viceroy and he only had, as you said earlier, the authority to give Daniel position number three. <laughs> For just a few minutes. For just a few minutes. So,
0: talk to us about what comes next. So then his Belshazzar's reaction to Daniel isn't to repent. It isn't even to grieve. He just gives orders for them to clothe Daniel with purple and to put on a necklace of gold around his neck. And he issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler of the kingdom. And he did this as a drunk, rebellious man on death row. And Daniel stood there. And watch this take place, knowing what was coming. It's chilling. It is.
1: And Gobiris, the Mede, the Median general, at this time has already invaded the inner city. Xenophon, the Greek historian, is the one that records this. He was marching his army into the inner city where the palace was located. At the moment, all of this happened. And Belshazzar is unaware that he is about to be killed and he gives this hollow gift to Daniel, who does know what's going on. And then we learn that Belshazzar is killed that very night, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom. And again, there's that word received. He didn't take it. Mm -hmm. He received. And he was how old? 62. Isn't that fascinating? (laughs) He still had years of power. And action left at the age of 62, and God gave him the kingdom. Because Belshazzar rejected God, he was slain, the king of Babylon was killed, and Babylon itself was dethroned. Isaiah 21 foretells the fall of Babylon. And remember, Isaiah wrote approximately 100 years before the Babylonian exile. The whole chapter is Isaiah giving God's judgment on the seat of wickedness, which is called Babylon. And we know that another Babylon will fall in the future, Revelation 18 describes it, at exactly the time God decrees. God's hand is the one that destroys man's arrogant building. No one escapes from God's judgment, no one escapes from God's hand, and those who believe receive mercy." And if you haven't received that mercy from God through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, this is the time for you to do it. We don't know how long any of us has on this earth. All of our days are written before one of them comes to be in the books of God. But He knows us, He sees us, and He sent His Son because He loves us, and He asks us to trust Him. And if you haven't trusted Him, if you haven't repented before Him, throwing all of the weight of your sin at the foot of His cross and asking Him to forgive you and to give you new life, do it now. He will never turn away someone who wants to know Him and who commits to follow
0: Him. Join us next week as we begin chapter 6 and we learn about Daniel's service to King Darius. And we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Former Adventist Podcast. You may email us at formeradventist at gmail.com. Former Adventist Podcast is a ministry of Life Assurance Ministries. For more information, weekly articles, videos, and a donation link, go to our website at proclamationmagazine.com.